Welcome to the second episode of the Brothers in Arms podcast. Uh, today in the room we've got Kieran Woods from Brothers in Arms, we've got Jamie Allen from Brothers in Arms and our guest today is Tony Doherty. Uh, Tony uses his Instagram account to promote men's mental health and also uh, early years education and his relationship with his daughter Thea. So uh, first of all, thanks for having me here lads. Uh, it's a pleasure to come on and uh, talk to Brothers in Arms about basically my mental health <laughs> and also how I have used maybe social media to discuss my mental health to benefit other dads and generally anybody out there. Um, that's why I talk about mental health on social media. Mm -hmm. I've got uh, a th three-year-old now, yeah. so that was all why good. it all started. We've kind of been become sort of more friends over the, the kids, we've shared a lot of experiences about, you know, sort of having young young kids, our two daughters had, have become friends over the years. We've sort of discussed a lot of the times, you know, the kind of uh, different styles of parenting that we've observed and, yes. you know, things like that. And yeah. it's just, it's been good having another dad. People always ask me why I started doing some social media and I didn't start it for any reason, apart from my auntie told me it might be a good idea for me. Uh, when Thea was born, I was probably a bit of an anxious mess. I've had anxiety all through my life, but it probably spiked then for a bit. And um, my auntie just knew I was a bit down and just said, why don't you start doing some social media? You're so good with your daughter. Just share some memories and share what you're going through. Because I had nobody leaving education to go to be self-employed and a stay-at-home dad. So I was just by myself so it was an outlet to connect with people and share being a, a dad which ended up being talking about my mental health and just generally dealing with being a new parent what was it about fatherhood that spiked your anxiety do you think nobody can tell you what parenthood's going to be like but everybody does and for everybody is so unique and so individual and i've maybe got like your your everybody comes out the closet everybody goes like that tells you how to do it and what's going to happen and then when it happens you're like shit and then why did nobody tell me for a fact that the one thing you need to learn is that you will not sleep again like you've ever <laughs> done before I, I remember before having a kid i could sleep like from like midnight and then maybe wake up the next day at midnight if i wanted to at the weekend and there'd be no repercussions to that whatsoever so i've funny. not set an alarm for almost four years now uh, so like um, <laughs> yeah it's quite a lifestyle change that you have no experience of or no way to really prepare for i literally said to my wife well, last night it was. My ambition, my current ambition is to like sleep from like 10 <laughs> until like five, six in the morning. Like that's a genuine ambition. It's probably not yeah. gonna be realized for another few years, but obviously the sleep deprivation feeds into if you already have anxiety yeah. or if you have depression. Being deprived of sleep, you know, probably perpetuates yeah. that or makes yeah. it maybe a bit worse. Yeah. You know, certainly I've been aware of myself just being that bit shorter when you're a bit sleep deprived, you know. Can lead to your mind playing tricks on you. And I should probably say, be honest about my mental health. So, and even before Thea, I've struggled with different uh, feelings and generally feeling anxious 
and maybe feeling that I don't deserve what I've got or self-worth. Um, but about eight years ago, I got really, really ill and they couldn't find out what was wrong with me. And my doctor just basically said to me, you're depressed. <laughs> At this point, uh, this was probably in my mid-twenties, early mid-twenties, and I didn't really, I was like, I'm not depressed. And this went on for about a year and a half, 18 months that he put me on medication and everything for um, being depressed. And it wasn't until I went and saw a specialist that was like, you're not depressed. You've got actual ailments going on. They realized I got viral fatigue. My weight went down to about 65 kilograms. I went into hospital to a pain clinic. Wow. And um, it was at Garden Evil, the pain clinic. And they gave me loads of physio and said, like, you're not depressed anymore, but your body's really run down. And you've probably got a lot of anxiety regarding health and also... I had to cancel my honeymoon. So it was a lot of like, why am I so ill when I was getting told I was depressed and it wasn't until I saw a specialist. So kind of from that, my mental health has kind of been up and down <laughs> because um, that took quite a while to recover. And then not long after we had beer. So yeah, that was a, amazing because i was ill so i never thought we'd maybe have kids so it was like but i wasn't obviously the possibility is always there but we've never talked about this was it a surprise when you know your wife was pregnant yeah yeah and it was the best surprise uh-huh. and it was amazing but me being ill and having that anxiety of being ill and it never really been it just got put down as viral fatigue and neurological functional symptoms so I was right. really all over the place I was like I don't really know what's going to happen in the future they thought uh-huh. I might have to stop working and everything and wow. there was like talks about putting claims in for insurance and that okay. and it wasn't until I saw a specialist and he was amazing and he just was like you've got this all your alignments out your jaws out your backs out your hips are out and then started doing physio on me and the NHS pulled me aside and got a plan for me and I was okay. up at Maryhill Woodside getting um, mm-hmm. training and it was all to build my core up and get time off work, put weight back on and try to build my immune system mm-hmm. back up. I've just written down there that it's really interesting listen to what you're saying because I, I think obviously there's, there's a big, there's a generation between me and you guys here but, but some things never change, right? And it struck me straight away in what you said about the fear factor that you said when you had your daughter, right? You and your wife had your daughter. Yes, because you've you've got conflicting things going on. You've got that joy of having a child, especially under the circumstances you're talking about. But you've also got that fear because I remember that so clearly the first night yeah, when Katie came home, I remember the two of us looking at her in the cot and thinking, you know, she's still breathing and, you know, that first night, all that fear factor going in. And wind back, my daughter is 32, you know, so wind back to that time when you didn't have mobile phones, you didn't have the internet, you, you'd not the, the vast amount of information. So it was a double-edged sword. Yeah. You know, back in those days, nobody gave you a, all the information so on one hand that was a good thing because you had to go and find that information 
And I, there was a famous book at that time by a, a professor of child care or child psychology called Penelope Leach. And I remember us going to buy this book. And it was basically... <laughs> the Holy like, Grail. It, it was the Holy Grail. It was a, a wow. book on how to parent yeah. a child from zero to five. You know, it was like a book you got when you bought a new car. <laughs> and, and really that helped us a lot. Yeah. yeah. You know, but now I think it's almost the opposite for, yeah. for, for parents because, you know, you get all this information flung at you and it's almost stressful because it's so much information. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think that can be yeah. information overload. Yeah. And if guys are not confident or they're suffering from stress already, it can almost be too much yeah. Yeah. for them to take in. Yeah. And if, if they're anxious already, that's a lot. If you're of anxious, course. your mind is constantly going, 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 going. And then like, at this point, I'm going back to, I'm, I'm thinking like when I was a new parent, so I'm kind of describing how I felt then and being like overwhelmed and where your head's going to go like, because there's so much information getting chucked at you and everybody's telling you. And you don't always know what people are saying. If, if especially with like social media and marketing now, you don't know if you're just getting told something because somebody's wanting to maybe sell you something, or exactly. they've got some. It's so hard to work agenda. out. And I think, um, yeah, massively, I've been aware of that. And fear is fear is absolutely one of their marketing tools. You know, people are asking about, you know, what do we need to get for the baby? Blah blah, blah and one of the things is about a baby monitor. Now, these baby monitors these days, I think are absolutely ridiculous. You've got a sensor a sensor mat so that you can get an alert when the baby moves. You've got HD color cameras, you've got temperature gauges, you've got, you know, all this, you know, like the sort of thing that they would use to guard bloody, you know, the crown jewels, you know. You just don't need it. Yep. Just, you're yep. not. 15,000 miles yeah. away from your child and need to send an emergency team to oh, get it. Is that them feeding off a of parent's paranoia? I think yeah. absolutely. Exactly it, it feels is. like yeah. that. You That's know, it's exactly like, it you know, if your child's crying, yeah. you are most likely going to hear it from the next room. And if you don't pick it up, a wee simple baby monitor will do that. Mm -hmm. But the fear that's being put yeah. into parents of, then, you need to know the temperature, you need to know the, the time your baby rolls over, you need to know that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, and if you're already anxious, how fucking helpful is that? Not it, very. I was lucky. So my background is early years education. So I've worked, I worked in early years education for 10 years before I had Thea. And that's where my- well-informed kind of- Yeah, I worked in a baby know? room, I worked in a two to three room, and then I was settled in a three to five room. And I was used to being around children and dealing with maybe parents' anxieties. Mm -hmm. But like at the beginning with Thea, I was just like, right. Think of what I would tell somebody else that was in my position and stop being so hard on myself. Parents, if you're especially if you're a new parent, it's the first time, you will make mistakes. And that's allowed. But I think like sometimes through society, we're told that we need to be perfect or we need to be a certain way. Where as parents, you're kind of figuring out how your child is going to react to you. Because that child's unique, you're unique, everything's unique. The situation that they're getting brought up into, is it a big house, is it a small house, is it this, is it that? It's so much kind of pressure and it can be different for everybody that we just need to like yeah. almost enjoy that time more and 
almost close the doors and not let mm-hmm. everybody yep. tell you what to do because that gets so difficult. Yeah, and it's it kind of sort of feeds back to you know Jamie's time as a new dad, where yeah. you know there wasn't the over yep. information overload, yep. and maybe at the time you wanted a bit more information, but actually you were just no. there front row all the time, whereas. You know, as a modern parent, your eyes are being pulled left and yeah. right because of all this other stuff. And I mean, that I, as I perceive it, it's kind of the stuff that feeds through social media, or you know, you get these parental experts who are, you know, saying my way is the only way. When actually, as you're just telling us, a thousand yeah. ways are the right way, a million yeah. ways are the right way. Uh, but it's um, what's right for you. There's no real right or wrong way yeah. factor. It's like yeah. whatever's going to work for you and work best for your child. Because I always thought when I when I work with children, and even now when I work with children and I'm working with parents, I'm always like, "You need to help me because you know your child best." Mm-hmm. Like I can I can help with certain things, but like tell me as much as you know about your child, and then I will see if I can what i can do and i think it's like whenever i say that it's like parents kind of kind of go that's like a nice thing like for once i'm getting a bit of kudos Mm. instead of being told well this is the way we've done it for years or this is what this expert says or this is what and it's Mm. like yeah i might have read that book and tried that but that's not necessarily going to work i think what you're demonstrating listening to you and what i think is really really good and what encourages me for, for your generation moving forward, from my point of view, uh, is that it demonstrates a, a change in, in societal attitudes uh, and, and male attitudes, and particularly towards fathering children that, that have changed since my generation. And, and that is the, 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 the good thing about the information that's out there now uh, and the good thing about social media, taking aside all the rubbish that's out there, is is that there, there's good stuff out there, and, and people who are getting information out there, you know, networks like Brothers in Arms and, and other guys who are putting stuff out there to say, look, it's okay to 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 make mistakes and do things wrong, as long as basically you do the the simple things right, and the simple thing is. You care for your children, yeah. you love your yeah. children, yeah. you nurture them, you show them the right way to do things and to, to behave towards people. You treat people with respect the way you would expect to be mm. treated yourself. Yeah. You do that to other people. doesn't matter what their colour is, their religion is, their sexuality, whatever. It's just basics. So if uh. you do that, it's a simple formula, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And that And that's how everybody wants to parent their children. And basically, that's the change that I see now. And that's that's the message, really, that we want to get out there. Yeah. To do that, you need to be in a good frame of mind. If you're working, you've got a family, you've got like, other commitments, and it's really difficult to be that engaged mm-hmm. when you're struggling. So when I was sort of struggling... I yeah. realized I had to maybe do some things to basically I want to be better and I also want my mind to be better. Bef- before Thea, I had had therapy before. I'd had therapy through NHS, which was 
in the experience. <laughs> yeah. I had a group therapy, uh-huh. which was, my, I went to and then my doctor said, no, you're definitely not going to do group therapy. And then we went and had, I got given another therapist and it was just a bit like appointments got cancelled, this and that. So I was younger, paid for a therapist, went to a therapist, was brilliant, stopped that therapist because it was expensive and also being self-employed, I was cancelling appointments left, right and centre. When I had Thea, uh, sorry, we had Thea, I went back into weekly therapy and that was part of what started to help me along the way Mm -hmm. and deal with my insecurities and... um, Doing that was really what started building me up to spending more time with Thea and being more involved as a stay-at-home dad, but also working. And recently, you made a, a um, Instagram post that said, "You know, it's not about going to these fancy places and buying fancy things for your child. Blah blah. Your child just literally wants a bit of your time. You know, with your full attention. And yeah. I know we're all guilty of being distracted by our phones and this and that and blah blah blah. But you know." I think there is deep joy. I know I get deep joy from spending, you know, just that, even if it's just 10 minutes where there's no distractions and you're like rolling around or you're wandering or you're walking the dog or you're doing whatever. And and you see the, the, the happiness in your children yep. from that. And it's as simple as that. Your circumstances can be anything. Yep. But if you just give that that sort of and attention yeah. and time, it, it your child will... Yeah. It's so important that they, that get, they get the time. Um, but if anything during lockdown as well, is like for you to give them proper engagement, is that like you need to have time. And like, it sounds, I used, like, I'm going to use the buzzwords here self care. So uh-huh. on social media, it's all over. And quite often it's related to like parents going to spas for the weekend or whatever. Where mm. for me, I kind of realized that for years I was getting told, try this for self-care, try this, do that. And actually realized it's just about something. Self-care is just taking a bit of me time for yourself, which I now do on a daily basis. Could be five minutes, could be an hour, depending on how much I've got. And it might be something ridiculous, just like kind of going up to Glasgow University and writing a journal. It could just be 10 minutes reading a few pages of book. It could be getting a bath, could be going to the gym. It's all everyday kind of little things that bring me sort of joy but it feels like that's a really really important message to uh get out to 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 new dads we i so i i'm we're in week number five of um a dad's boot camp that we started and in the first few weeks it was really really hard to to get dads engaged with it because i think as a dad whilst jamie's observing changes that have happened since his you know since he brought his daughter up and and son um there's still i think that deeply ingrained sort of message of dad be out do work bring money home come home do whatever it is you do when you're home and then get back to work again yeah and i think that it's still under there there's still that undercurrent i find that a struggle like and that's like i don't find that a struggle i find I just you know, wish people weren't still having those opinions, but I, I don't think maybe out loud they have those opinions, but by their actions, yeah, it's still, and then it makes me feel bad, yeah. yeah. It makes me kind of feel like if 
I can, like, I can like, show you, you know, a video. I can show you messages on my phone yep. from guys that I went to school with who I consider friends who've had kids recently, and they're like, "Oh, I'd love to come to your dad's boot camp, but I can't. I'm working. Just I'm working, man. I'm just working, and then and then I've got to do stuff about the house and whatever. And and what that what the deeper message underneath that is is that I'm not worthy of taking time for myself to do something that I enjoy or something that's going to help me or something that's going to keep me on a, a, an even keel, you know? And obviously we're all on a different, we're all on different journeys, but having that awareness that actually I need to do that to be the yeah. best I can for my family, my wife, my daughter, my son. And also it's not easy. You know, you've had, we, we had, you have friction with, you know, your wife, I have, you know, times where my wife's like, you never do a bloody thing. And I'm like, sounds yeah. quite extreme, but there we go. Walk down that spot um, like that. It's, it, it's a, it feels like a hard message, but an important message to get out to dads that you've got to do something for yourself. And you have to agree that with your partner, or if you don't have a partner, you have to find some avenue whereby you can get out and do things that fulfill you in some I way. I also think it's easier, or it's slightly easier when, when you're in the type of work you guys are in. Right when when you're in a self-employed situation where, where you yeah absolutely you, you can tailor your your work in a more flexible way, Hi. um and uh, this is not me setting up the, the next comment to make an excuse. When when I worked, I, I listened to what you've said right uh, because when I worked, when the kids were growing up, just when they were very very young. You know, uh, at that time, you know, I I I started uh, working. I'd gone from I, I was a police officer for thirty years, so I'd started working in uniform, then uh, gone into CID, uh, and then laterally went in in to do uh, serious and organised crime work, doing surveillance and stuff like that. And I re remember clearly working uh, one time in Baird Street in the north side of the city, and uh, and it was just manic. You know, absolute manic. So Katie was born in 1988. And she must have been maybe three or four or something like that. And I remember working on some murder inquiry. And I literally had not had a day off for maybe three, four weeks, something like that. It's so just work straight through 12-hour shifts. I'd come home, just go to bed, yeah. get up, yeah. go to work. Mounting on yeah. for weeks and yeah. weeks. And no, I, I would just never think of what my wife was doing, what she was going through. I was mm -hmm. just there earning money, 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 drop the, money. Drop the pay pack off. Drop run, the pay drop pack off. off. Right, yeah, never yeah. think about what she was going through. Uh -huh. So I was in the office this day and I remember the door opened, uniform guy came through and he said, your wife's at the front with your kids looking for you. And I thought, what's going on? What's yeah, happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went through. And she was standing and she said to the, my, my daughter and my son, just wee babies like that, uh, three and two or whatever they were. And she said, see that guy there? That's your father. My heart sank. What do you say? But but again, you know, I, I, as you say in your brain, you were kind of on autopilot and you thought you were doing the good. But, but there's, there's, as you say, that just, brought you That just bang. brought me right down to earth. And, and wow. I just, that but, next day... I said to my boss, look, sorry, it's I need to draw back balance, here. man. Yeah. Certain, there's a big thing. I mean, that's certain industries. I so I I, yeah. now, I now work in film and TV, looking after children. And if I take a job that's on for twelve weeks, 
you could be doing that. What, and I what, don't see fear. What's just been described. So yeah. when I, I think the world needs to decide certain about these jobs where how we can help parents yep. and not just dads but everybody because if you're the primary breadwinner and you go away no matter if you're mum or dad it's gonna a child needs a bit of stability a bit of routine mm-hmm. and um i think certain jobs that i've been in since having Theater, it's just like there's no compassion, but there's also no policies or procedures in place. It's just like, well, if you don't do it, we'll find someone else. If you don't work else. that 16 hour a day, oh, yeah. we'll just get somebody else. And we need to think if that's that's fine, we want to do that going forward, but is that going to have a knock on effect with Absolutely. everybody's well being? Absolutely. I mean, I don't think that 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 doesn't happen anymore. Uh, that That's of its day and that. No longer well, certainly happens, Tony you know. can be in a really you know intense project for like a three month period, but then hopefully on the other side of that, you know, you get a bit of downtime where you are more at home and things like so, that. Yeah. You know, which is like me then deciding which, not to work, not get because because yeah. then, ah. but I could just go back some back almost. it's now that that you guys can you won't have that same feeling of regret a lot of guys from my generation no because you wouldn't have known what you you probably just felt pressure and not known what if what yeah that's right you know because you know i i I look back in that and i think you know i i had no concept of what my wife was going through the strains and stresses you know and that's something i regret looking back now and it's not now till till i realize you know as i struggle with my own demons at the moment, you know, and now having grandchildren and seeing how my wife has to deal with them when I'm struggling, you know, uh-huh. it, I realise how she was then dealing with my kids when they were small. And you don't have any concept, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. as, as the years went on and then I was then going into work in, in, in squad work where I was away all over the country, you know, not been back for days and stuff like that, you know. I just, you're you're too wrapped up in your own self, especially as a younger man, you know, in in my late 20s and early 30s. I was having a blast. I was having the time (laughs) of my life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and you just, you get too wrapped up in your own self-importance. Yeah. 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 You know, and the thing is, what we're looking at here is is trying to to put the message out to people is we're, we're going to learn by the mistakes of past generations, right? And, and and look at these things and and try and move the agenda forward by yeah. talking about yeah. things. I mean, it's uh, that's what we want to do. Yeah. I, I think that's absolutely right. I'm starting to wonder though. What? So I got to a pretty bad place that I talked to Kieran about during the first lockdown, where I was really down, and th- probably the number one reason I was down because my purpose had been taken away from me. You know, and it made me realize just how much of my person is rolled up within what I do as a job and the people I interact with each day doing that. So where are we at when it comes to, you know, I know how much it means to me to be able to go out and do my job and interact with the people I'm interacting with and whatever. 
but I also understand there's an area where I need to probably pull back from that so that I can be a better dad, you know? So there's something there where, you know, a guy's purpose, the word I'll use, a guy's purpose is so wrapped up in what they do as a job or how they earn money. How do we get to just pull back from that a wee bit so that we can be more dad? And I think it's just by talking about it and by making mistakes and by people talking about their experiences and actually like I use my social media to be very honest and if you look through my social media most of my days are spent with you when I'm not working and that's the choice that I want to make and I know some people might think is that real or does he do that much or like how does he do that and it's also it's by compromise it's by giving up money and giving up time for other things and prioritizing what I feel will benefit Thea, but also benefit me as well. Um, but it's taken a long time to, to, to get to that and figure out what I want as a parent, also what I want in the world and what I can do, manage. During lockdown, you were saying about your, your work stopping and I am worried and it's gone a bit quiet from certain people about this is like during lockdown i lost all the stuff i used for my mental well-being all my resources or everything and it got taken away from me in 24 hours and that was really difficult the gym um my at that point i was going to a therapist that i was just like he was amazing and it was like i can't do that over a phone call uh, and then my work went as well, my social went, and also my support network for Thea went, so everything sort of went, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it took me a good few months to like centre myself again, and now as we come out the other end, there was talk maybe four or five months ago about what was going to happen, what was going to be put in place, but it just seems like we're almost just to get back to society and be grateful, and as a parent, in Glasgow, we're st- I struggle because there's things that I can't do with Thea still and nobody really talks about it and it just feels like at the moment we need to be talking about mental health to, to raise the awareness but also to make dads, parents, everybody just know that it's difficult still at the moment and it's not just summer holiday time. It's We've all got a lot of stuff going on and if by yeah. talking about it can relieve a bit of pressure or make somebody feel confident to go to see a therapist or go to the gym or take some time to themselves, mm. I think that's really important. Because, massively, yep. massively, Tony. So I, I think there's been a wee bit of a, I, th- I, think, I think of recent, there's been a bit of a backlash, right, about the whole men to, men's mental health thing, right? And I think primarily that, that might have been as a, 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 as a result of the whole Prince Harry thing, right? The Harry and Meghan yep. thing, right? And I, I think that because of that, people have gone, why, why is everybody talking about men's mental health at the moment? There's too much of it. And, and there's been a wee bit of this sort of, can they stop talking mm-hmm. about it? And, and we have to kind of push against that kind of attitude, you mm-hmm. know, and, mm-hmm. and make sure that people think that, no, it's, it's, yeah. that's wrong. Yeah. We, we need to keep yeah. talking about it. Yeah. You know, there can never be, yeah, too yeah. much talk yeah. about and it. Again, no. they pick up on the men's mental health, where I kind of like to see as it is everything I 
I noticed because I do. I'm on social media a big divide. Everybody's always divided. It's like either like you're a dad or a mum or you're. If you were, I talk about my mental health. I'm yes. not talking about it from anything other than from my experience. Yeah. But also, I work with children, and yeah. I've worked with children for over ten years, and I am noticing an increasingly high amount of children with anxiety and real wobbles and since coming back from lockdown on set huh. i've got children that are child actors that are high performance and they are all freaking out yeah and i know because i'm around them 24 7 it's my job to be their basic sounding board everybody that's not been at school like mm-hmm. all the children don't know what's going on they don't know how their children are going to react the ones that are going to secondary school and we've had children having panic attacks, anxiety attacks. And it's yeah. just like yeah. this, when I first started 10 years ago, this wasn't happening. And just now, yeah. and I know the waiting lists for children to uh-huh. get support and help in Glasgow is really, really long at the moment. Um, but I know you guys have been working with kind of like, what we do have, if yeah. for anyone who's listening that needs to support, if it's a parent who needs to support their kid, is we have a, now a Parents and Guardians app, which is the, um, obviously our, our main Brothers Thrive app is only available for over 16s. So kids under 16, their parent or guardian can sign in to a specialised app, get access to the same clinical psychologist, the same therapist as the adults who would be using it themselves as, but they can seek help for their minor they can seek advice and how to handle their kid or if their kid's struggling through something they can speak to a professional and yeah how, how to deal with them that's that's what that app's for so that's available to yeah. download on yeah. the website yeah um, absolutely we'll add um to any links or whatever we'll add the, the yeah link because that's to, that's, to that's, that's amazing there. because we all kind of know if you can the sooner you can get some support or talk about how you're feeling is like is brilliant and quite often children are talking to me because they're not talking to their parents because mm-hmm. if you've got anxiety and what i'm getting from them is it's like they're worried about stuff because for a year and a half they've not done anything mm-hmm. and they've been told just to go back to school and it'll be fine <laughs> and it's just like wow yeah like that's not like really like you're not thinking here long-term effects yeah. um so they're coming to me and it's just worries it's like a bag of worries in the nursery when they go to junior school, uh-huh. we do a bag yeah. of worries and it feels like the older ones are, are kind of talking and they're just yeah. worried about everything. Mm. And they don't want to then go to their parents who are maybe, they know that their parents are stressed because they've been furloughed or whatever mm-hmm. and then put this on them as well because a lot of it's what they're saying to me is, I don't want to be seen as a failure or I don't want to do that because I've never done it before mm-hmm. and I don't want to do it because I've not done anything for a year and a half and I'm, bit scared about doing new things again uh-huh. i can't say that in front of 30 people so i'm going to tell you right now mm-hmm. and i know we talked a lot about their um about effects on kids of not being mentally sound ourselves but what i know jamie touched on a little bit there's a lot of also the effect on relationships like your partners how i mean i can imagine if you hadn't turned yourself around jamie the way you were going you would have ended in divorce and that must have been quite common especially in your industry uh, absolutely yeah and the police um absolutely 100%. yeah percent uh, and and i think again then what you look at there is the effect that that's going to have upon children mm-hmm. and your yeah. effect effect parenting 
being a dad then has on that child and how their upbringing is, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. Uh, and it's proven, you know, studies have shown that children from relationships that break down are less likely to succeed. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's yep. not rocket science, you know. Yep. Um, I, th- I think what's interesting, Gary and I had a conversation last night uh, and, you know, there's no doubt when we talk about being a dad, we take things back a generation. There's, there's, there's no rocking around that. One of the best meetings we had uh, uh, on our peer-to-peer things was we sat one night, and I think there was six or eight of mm-hmm, us mm-hmm. way back, right back before the first lockdown. Mm-hmm. And the subject came up about being a dad, and we talked about fathers. And I think out of the, that group of maybe about eight guys, <laughs> yeah. I think there was probably two guys who said, that they had a good relationship with their father. Yeah, yeah. And the rest of the guys all had either a complete catastrophe relationship, including, if I can say it, me yeah. and Gary. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not going, for obvious reasons, I'm not going to name the other guys that uh-huh. were here, yeah. uh, were there on that night. So that influences then thereafter how... The next generation, I, me, and Gary, yeah, yeah. and anybody else who then becomes a dad, yeah. acts as a parent. Yeah. So it influences you either in a good way or a bad way. I think that's it. In, in, in my uh, example, uh, being a parent, I, you know, for all the, the problems that it has caused me in terms of my mental health, throughout the years and that is a car crash um, in terms of stress, anxiety, despite the job I did all those years and all, all the stressful things that was involved in that and all the therapy I've gone through through the years to try and deal with that and I'm still trying to deal with it. I think that, that, that what um, came out of it for me was I was determined that I was never going to parent my child the way that I was yeah, parented yeah. on the basis of, of, you know, being told that I was worthless and being told I'd never amount to anything. And, and yeah. you know... And that was really a common theme. And that was um, a common theme throughout on that the night, people that, that, that we spoke to. I, and I think what's interesting, though, is is that, that when you start to drill down into these things, it, it comes back to what you talked about. It's this whole societal thing of, of uh, pressure on men to be men, you know, and to act in a certain way. And I, th- I thought it was really interesting that, that you guys in your generation still think that that's quite a predominant thing in, 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 in society really today. Is. I mean, yeah. I can understand it because if I think back to, well, you know, I, I was looking at it and it's thinking about it last present. night, it's you present, know, and thinking, you know, you know, I mean, my father was born in 1924. Yeah, you know, so a couple of years you know, ago, that's quite a long time ago. You know, if you think about it, uh-huh. um, you know, an only but, child quite indulged, you know, so yeah, 
you know, it, it's, it's this, funny to it's, think how things change, uh -huh. you know. Uh, yeah. It's going to take a long time for society to change, but it's if you can just be happy with what you're doing and be happy in your mind and be able to promote, like, and be a kind of parent of that you're proud to be. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm 100% proud of my I children. I think yeah. um, that's you kind of won and that's all you can do. Mm -hmm. um, oh, it's so difficult. I think this time, this time, because of everything that's gone on, especially over the last year and a half, everybody's so kind of... I think I always, you know, that, that we, we say so often, you know, when we are having conversations, Jamie and I, uh, that you have to kind of almost like just discount the last sort of 18 months. You, yeah. you know, if we, we can have conversation about what we would be doing without the the knock-on effects of, you know, coronavirus. But and it, it does, but it's affected people's mental health. Oh, man. And, that, and then that then... And it's if, not to be ignored. It's just that... If usually. you've got a child... You. Absolutely. You, you, you had a lockdown. A lockdown, lockdown baby. Is it yeah, called yeah. So... Uh, yeah. And then I know other people have had lockdown babies that haven't been in Glasgow. Well, and they've got ritually their child's not seen anybody, mm -hmm. and the strain that has had well, on the, the the partnership of the mum and dad. I, I remember um, seeing. Uh, so we have Isla who's four, and we've got Theo who's now eleven months, and um, I remember sort of. First, after the first lockdown, the really brutal long lockdown sort of eased. And I remember bumping into a girl, Lee was very heavily pregnant. And I remember bumping into a girl who had had a baby like right in the middle of lockdown. Husband wasn't able to get into the hospital, blah, blah. And she honestly looked like so shell-shocked, like just, she was like, I just don't know if I'm doing the right thing and yeah. I've, it's yeah. not in a routine yet yeah. and he's not and a lot of, and, and she just looked so yeah. unbelievably yeah. worried that she wasn't doing the right thing because her child hadn't had the chance to interact with other children. She hadn't had the chance yeah. to interact with other mums. You know, I didn't get to speak to her partner, but, you know, I imagine that there was probably similar things going on for him in terms of, hardly spoke to any other dads this that the other, you know those kind of things and um so we you know we because we had the experience with isla before yeah we were a bit like okay we've got some experience yeah. here but for those first having had time. a first child yeah. through the lockdown there, there there absolutely has to be stuff i would hope at a government level that's put in place to say you know like a, a, almost like a parent's recovery unit or some kind of yeah. thing or information getting out there that can reassure pa new parents that have had kids during a lot the, the lockdowns. Stay off the internet. Well, that's <laughs> it. Yeah. I took mum and babies. That, I took that, mum and babies that's group. That's the first piece of advice. Yeah, stay uh, well away from. I took mum and babies groups during the, the lockdowns because that was allowed to happen. You know, it was uh, considered a, an essential support service, much like our peer-to-peer -peer support groups were. And um, I, the amount of value that I observed the mums getting just because they were allowed to be around other mums in that setting doing outdoor exercise and actually being able to... Because it's not always nice. It's not always like lovey-dovey. It's like... All right. Well, I'm reassured because my wee Wayne's a bit more advanced than that <laughs> wee Wayne. You know, like, oh, 
that we one can he do as much yeah. as you know they need yeah. that I, know, I don't know parents how they need how, that to be able yeah. to sort of be okay yeah i don't know how they did that because when i kind of was a stay-at-home dad the one of the things that i first did was go to the playgroups mm-hmm. and i stood out like a sore thumb and uh for the first few weeks it was like quite like i was it was as much my anxiety not want to approach anybody else but do you know, like, once lockdown started, I really missed those playgroups because I'd made, like, relationships and formed friendships. And that was a time I could get out for a coffee and we could listen to each other's problems. And you're just like, that's amazing because I'm going through the same crap. And you're nice. just like, yeah. I'm yeah. not by myself. And you're not getting somebody just saying it on over the internet just to sell you something uh-huh. <laughs> like yeah, you've yeah, got yeah. a genuine person that's from the same neck of the woods as you like doing this and it was like so so, so were there other dads at these groups uh, you the only guy there for a while i was the only one there and then i think there was two of us for a while right and then of course it's like they push these people together it doesn't Men, work it doesn't work and then um I was actually really lucky before lockdown the bbc came up from england and filmed okay. it they've did a they made a show of me and thea talking about from a male perspective being a stay-at-home dad going to a playgroup right, and the good. pressure and how you kind of feel like stepping out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. and going from like going into that being so that was like all like really really good and my main point from that was like the same people like this actual playgroup actually really helped my mental health because if I didn't go, I probably would have been stuck in thinking all about the worst things that could happen. Mm-hmm. And then actually when I started to go, I managed to go twice a week and yeah. it was like just like really good. And then talking to other people online, yeah. they were saying this, like, it's so nice that you went and told us your experience because I went, I didn't, I didn't want to go, but uh-huh. actually it's worse staying in the house. Yeah. I think, thinking yeah I th- and i think that's it i think that in your mind you may well know something and you may well be thinking about it a lot but see just the power of actually saying it out loud to someone else there's so much power in that and this is what we, we i mean this comes back to our base message you know talk about yeah. it whether it be to a friend family member therapist whatever like the power of just literally getting it out vocalized not just battering and battering around in your head um that that's where a lot of alleviating the stress alleviating the anxiety comes from there's a lot of power in just saying it out loud you know i was really pissed off my wee daughter or son because they were just being wee shit the other day you know it's okay that's an okay thing to be you know you don't want to stay there but you know sometimes you get annoyed at your kids you need to say that out loud sometimes you you see the kids doing stuff at the playgroup and then you'll be like and you can see maybe like at the beginning, I'd be like, oh, no. But then after time, I could tell I was becoming more confident because I'd be like, it's okay, Thea does that as well. And it's just that stage they're at. And then mm-hmm. you'd be mm-hmm. like, the other person would be like, oh, my word, that's so nice to hear that it's not just my child yeah. that does that. It's yeah. actually every child. But I don't know that unless you go out there and you try it. Um, but we were talking about partners. Mm-hmm. And I guess when you're a dad and... Uh, if you're struggling with your mental health and you've got a partner, uh, you, you need to have a conversation. Like you need yeah. to like, I went to therapy. So I would talk to my therapist about it 
and I found that was the best way for me. Some people will talk to their wives about it, and my wife would probably sometimes want to talk to me more about my just general well-being mm. and generally where I'd be like, I will tell you, but there's certain things I'm not always going to tell you because mm. they are too close, and I want our relationship to be not different not different but i don't want you to know everything that's going on in my head because course, nobody right. wants that you know you keep going how did, you, how did that go today then what's it what are you thinking today uh, yeah no and and I, like, yeah so i think uh having your your partner to talk to is really nice to be like yeah. let them know if you are feeling anxious yeah. they need to know because it changes your mood and it changes your reactions yeah, yeah. and uh if I'm in a bit of gloom or feeling anxious and I can say that to Har Harriet, then she'll be like, well, I'll know why he's reacting to things a certain way. Or maybe let's give him 10 minutes time out. Where if I didn't say much, where at the beginning I probably didn't say too much at all, she was just like, he's just a dick. Mm -hmm. You know, like he's like kind of getting moody. He's not really, but he's like talking too much or not enough. Um, it's just having some sort of communication with your partner to let yeah. them know. And once you've done that, it's much easier when you share that problem and your chest just feels mm -hmm. like a weight. You're not asking them to do anything. You're just making them aware of what you're going through so you can work together, especially when a child's involved yeah. because you as, need that as opposed to, As opposed to withdrawing and, and then not and telling them and... I yeah, I think they'll think it's something to do with them. They don't react, yes. doesn't yeah. it? Well, yes. they start to blame yeah. themselves yeah. and they start to go, it goes in their heads. And you don't want to be there. They instantly yeah, think, well, yeah. something's happening here. Why is he being like this? He doesn't... Yeah, disappear at the pub. and yeah. so that's, that used to be famous for that. Uh, yeah. mm. Used to just... And any time she would ever approach to say, well, what's going on? I'd nothing, nothing. And it would turn, I'd turn into an argument and I'd go, ah, I'm away. Like, sitting yeah. sit in the boozer till closing time and stumble <laughs> up the road. Like, yeah, and yeah. Yeah. Just, that, the that next man, day, you're still arguing. So and it's, you, you said, uh, when I listened to the last podcast, you said something that absolutely turned a light switch on for me because it it ties in with what you've just said. You know I mean? I, I, I think my wife's amazing. I think she's a superhero, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes I forget that she's a human, right? And I, I unburden myself to her. I tell her yeah. all this stuff and I'm struggling, right? Mm -hmm. And then I expect her to take all this stuff on board and it's not fair, yeah, right? And you said on that podcast, you can't expect your nearest and dearest to sort all that no. stuff out, mm -hmm. that's what no. therapists for. Yeah, yeah. you or, know that yeah. they—they are the mm -hmm. only people yeah. who can put it's your it, ducks, put, put your ducks in a line. Yeah, yeah. that's it. You yeah. know, and and, and I remember when I came to Brothers in Arms at first, and I, and I had been speaking to a psychiatrist. I'd done therapy before, right? And and I thought, right, and I've done this so many times before. I've you've done the NHS thing. And I've seen some really good therapists, right? And I've gone, right, I've done my so many weeks, right? And I felt good, right? And some therapists who I really got on well with and in tune with, and I went, right, that's me. Sorted, mm -hmm. right? Text. And then six the months later, I'm there, I'm sorry. Yeah. six months later, boom. Yeah, yeah. Flat line again, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, and then you're back to that situation of, of, of talking to your loved ones and try to sort it out, mm -hmm. you know, and that's bad enough if you're just dealing with yourself yeah. and your wife and then 
if there's yep. children to yep. parent Absolutely. or grandchildren to deal with. You, you can't fulfill your job sure. title. So they're, you know, obviously talking about there's some sort of mental maintenance that's yep. needed there, mental yep. health maintenance there. And that's yep. what we, you know, we talk so much about in the peer-to-peer support group is that the peer-to-peer support group is, is like a wee workout for your mind. You know, it's to just get wee niggles that you didn't even realise you had in your, 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 your mind just out, out, out of you, you know. Um, but similarly, the, the, the app, again, the app has lots of different little mental health goals that you can do, tasks, sometimes games, you know, words, social, blah, blah. And sometimes that can just be enough to just, just keep you on a level if you don't have a peer-to-peer yeah. support group to go to, if you don't have whatever. Um, and, and, and that's good. And whilst we're on the subject, you know, we're, we're, we're continually wanting to make people aware of how can they get help from Brothers in Arms if, if they need it. Women... Like you mentioned before, um, kids or parents of children can access the app to get help for their children having mental health difficulties. Women who are supporting men with mental health difficulties can also access the app. So, you know, we, we, are, we will always be specific to men and men's mental health because that's the whole reason Brothers in Arms was started. But we're widening our net all the time to try and help it comes back yeah. to men, but those who are around and supporting the men in their lives, you know. So it's just to make listeners aware the, of that. The Wednesday, uh, the Wednesday group as well in the evening is uh, I've not been along to it yet, and that's mainly because of work commitments and theatre commitments. Uh, but I love it because I find that you, having the, well, getting out of the house is half the battle. Where if you were to go to that on a Wednesday, you're giving people opportunity to almost break their cycle of their mental health. Where if you're anxious, sometimes it's like the feeling of doing something is going to be really, really like scary. But I've been to groups before and by going to that, it breaks that sort of like cycle. And once you do one, I would be looking forward to it every week and it's little things like that which can really help build up your mental health sort of strength and your confidence and generally just getting you in a better place. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think doing that, getting a cup yeah. of tea, coffee, a drink and just having that little chat. And it also you then hear from people that, is it like going to the, the staying yeah. play? It's like yeah. people going through the same things as you. You don't feel alone. Um, yeah. It can be really beneficial, so I think that's brilliant. Totally. Um, there's a there's one of the guys who comes to the peer to peer support group, and I love the way he describes it. He's like, it's like going to the pub with your mates, but without getting drunk, <laughs> you know. Because sometimes it's just a laugh, sometimes it's just yeah. a bit of a joke, and that's maybe all you need sometimes. But other times we get really deep with it, and you know, people go, actually, I've got a bit of a challenge here, blah blah. blah. And probably, you know, it's right to bring back to, to, to Jamie's comment about our relationships with our fathers, you know, because it's such a huge influence on mm-hmm. what we do as fathers. Um, I know, I, I, I know, I hope I'm regarded as having gone the opposite way from what my dad was in my life, which was he lived with me for a long time, but very rarely did I have a conversation with him, I had very little input from him in the time that he did live with me. And uh, I, Kind of, I'm choosing to try and go the opposite way, uh, to try and have lots of input and 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 be a, you know obviously around. But 
it's not just enough to live in the same house as your children. That doesn't make you a successful parent. You know, you have to be engaged. You actually have to be involved. You have to actually be interested in their, your, your children. You know, Jamie and I talked about this the other day and um, I'm, I, I, I try to be as reasonable and as fair as I can, but I don't honestly, I can't honestly think back to times where I had real meaningful conversations with my dad, you know, and I was fortunate enough to have a grandfather who had huge positive input in my life. But when I really think about it, it was always the good stuff that he did with me, the enjoyable stuff. But where I could have been doing with an arm round me when I was younger and when I was, was when I had tough times, when I was upset, when I was not okay and whatever, when I wasn't at my grandparents' house or I wasn't with my grand my grandpa, um, I could have been really doing with that father to put his arm around yeah. me and say, things be all right, you know, but that just wasn't there, you know. Uh, and that's that's created the opposite effect in me and that I want to be really there. But Jamie, you mentioned that you know, your dad was probably had quite an all right input from his parents, but then all of a sudden he was quite different with you. My father, um, as I said before, was brought up by two of the nicest my grandparents were two of the nicest people you could ever meet. My grandfather was probably more akin to what I am, a very laid-back, very mild-mannered guy who I remember just being a guy who went to his bowls, liked a whiskey and a beer. And my uh, grandmother was the nicest woman you could ever meet. My, my, my father was a late baby, so an only child, very indulged. Um, you know, she she just fussed over him, and that was it. He um he he'd a very privileged upbringing. Um, he was he was born in Glasgow. He he used to always uh, have a very lofty ideal of his own self importance, and um, he used to always joke about the fact that he was born in Dromoyne, uh, which I always used to. Uh, endlessly rib him about because I said that's Govan. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, yeah. Which he never liked, you know. <laughs> um because he saw himself as a bit of a closet snob because he then moved <laughs> to Stirling and sort of reinvented himself. My father then went away to the Navy um at the start of the war. Well, not at the very start, a couple of years into the war. And I've looked at this and and the more I thought about the way my father was, I think what happened to him was he was very, very naive, right? And I think he was bullied in the Navy, and I think mm. he was bullied badly. And the result of that was that when he came back from the Navy, I think something changed in him. This is me trying to be objective and as objective and compassionate as I can, <laughs> which is... Funny how we still go to that, wh- you know? Which is not easy, but I've come to that position after a long, long period of time. You know, there were periods of time where I genuinely disliked my father. Yeah. Really, because of what I went through with him. Um, and, um, you know, I, I think that's what turned him into the man he eventually became through, which mm-hmm. which was somebody who was, uh, you know, not not a nice person, you know, in, in the sense that he, he was, you know, you know, he... He, he, yeah, he, he was abusive. You, Aye, know. you mentioned something to yeah. me about, you know, he would kind of, like, from time to time, just 
give you a wee a wee fright or something, yeah, you know, that really yeah. you didn't appreciate yeah. when you were really young. <laughs> you know, and it was it's, a kind of toughen up wee man. It was part of piece was he, he used to walk up behind me and whack me in the back of the head full force. Jesus and I would man, say, honestly. You know, what was that for? Nothing. Just to make sure you keep yourself tough and stuff like that, you know. Wow, and, uh, but, but I mean, this you know, is a lot of this stuff. unique, you know. I've heard this more, from so many. Like, like, it was more mental, you know. It was mm -hmm. more like sort of saying to you, you know, you're hopeless and you'll never amount to anything oh, and that shit, kind of stuff, man. you know. Yeah. And but what's interesting about it, you know, without dwelling on the whole thing, was that, that my father, as he got older, you know, then I think you know, got into sixties and the seventies, you know, and I, I by then was getting, you know, into into my forties or whatever. And I, I was still pretty angry, you know, and I, I would challenge him and I'd say to him, you know, you were terrible, you did these things and you could see that the the then the realization had hit him and he knew, you yeah. know, and yeah. you could see the shutters coming down and the defence going up. And he yeah. couldn't answer me, and he couldn't really. Yeah, yeah. He couldn't. Yeah. He didn't have an answer for uh -huh. me. And, uh, and then, latterly, uh, as he really got older, and then he started getting firm, and you know, I had to sort of say, "Well, what do you do?" And I had to sort of stop at some point and yeah. go, "Yeah, I can't stop. I've got to stop being angry with this man now. Uh -huh. There's no point in it. I'm not gaining anything out of it." I can't change the past and mm -hmm. I need to try and move on as best I can. And that's easier said than done of because of the effect it had on me and still man. continues to have on me. But the point I'm trying to make here is that, 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 you know, what we're talking about here is important because, you know, we have to try and learn from these situations yeah. as a society so as we don't repeat these mistakes, you know, because yeah. th there are people who who wouldn't learn from that situation. And I'm fortunate because yeah. I had the support. And the fortunate thing for me was I married a woman and married into a family. And when I started going out with my wife and I met her family, mm. that was the first time I'd ever encountered a family situation. Yeah. I yeah, didn't yeah. know what that was. Yeah, why, do yeah. these, why do these people act like that? <laughs> Yeah, you know, this is really what a family is. Uh -huh. yeah. I was, I was amazed by that. You know, these wow. people acting like this. Yeah, yeah. What's going on here? But it's, it, it, but yeah. And so for that to be alien is not right. You know, it's not right. It just puts me in mind of a pal of mine who, when observing, and it just this this is just to illustrate the fact that w w yes, a lot of places we've moved on, but but in other areas we haven't. A good pal of mine, my best man, um, used to say to me, they're not a normal couple. They too. See them, they're not a normal couple. They don't argue like a normal couple. And what I really meant by that was like, see, when we get angry at each other, we don't start calling each other all the Fs and fucking Bs and blah, 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 blah in the world. And But that was just weird to him because he'd never had a girlfriend that he never went like, like that with. And you go, well, actually, no, it's not that we're abnormal. It's that... The accepted normal is that people fight like cats and dogs, and it's not, you know. And so, for you to go into that family situation where that felt weird, it wasn't weird. That was the right thing, but it's just that the wrong thing is so widely accepted. Yeah, yeah. I think it's that. I think that is the situation. But I, you know, I, I think that that you know what, I think you have to 
look at these things uh, in kind of try as much as you can and detach yourself from that situation. I mean, I, th I think I had to do that to some extent because I had to kind of put a sort of suit of armour on to protect myself and, yeah. and, and detach myself from that. It's this thing going back to the, the generation of men who, who were in their, you know, their 40s and their 50s you know, and brought up children just after the war. You know, I was born in 1958, you know, so, you know, they, they were taught by, they were taught to parent by people who were born, my grandfather was born in 1889. <laughs> yeah. Get your head around that. Yeah. But it's, it's, do you know what I mean? How you know, do you it's actually... It's two, two generations ago, but it's a very long time ago. It's a long you know? time ago, um, you know, and and I so just yeah. think that, that, that there's, as you quite rightly said, it's going to take a heck of a long time to, to, to work our way yeah. through that, a situation uh, yeah. where where we we can actually yes. eradicate yeah. I think that's it, but that it's all right. I mean, this is, a, this is a whole other podcast, I guess. And, po and um, poverty does Yes, well, I, I was going to say that to you. you I, know, I think we could we could almost do a, a, a different We'll come back to it thing a, 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 about again, that. You know. and, and, and that's something I feel quite strongly about. Not Absolutely. not not that subject, but but just what you touched on there. And and something one of the reasons why why I joined the police, and uh, you know, it, it, it sounds like a bit of a lofty idea, but the, the prime reason I joined the police was, yeah, I wanted to catch the bad guys and all that stuff, but, well, one of the other reasons was because at the time I wanted to piss my father off, if I'm really honest, because he didn't want me to join the police. But um, I wanted to help people in areas like Postle Park and, and, and areas like that because... I had no idea, right? When I went to, 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 to an area like that and I saw, that was the first time I saw, if you want to call it, people would refer to it as bad parenting, right? You know, I can't describe what I saw, right? You know, I'm talking about people who were, well, initially it was drink, right? People who were so drunk, and then it was drugs are so out of their face that their children were running about and nappies they'd had on for days and all that sort of right. stuff. And that's all down to lack of money, poverty, lack of education, you know, all that stuff you're, you're talking about early years. What I feel really strongly about is who cares about this? People need to care about that at a yeah. governmental level Absolutely. and they don't. Yeah. You know, and, and it's up to people like us and groups like that Sadly to, to, it is. to put the message yeah. out, yeah. you know, Sadly to is. reach out to people and say to them, look, you know, we've got the wherewithal, we've got the resources, you know, let's yeah. get the message out there, yeah. you know, and, and help yeah. people yeah. to cope. Yeah, I suppose there's been quite a lot of guys, guys and girls recently doing fundraisers for us which obviously keeps us going and keeps our service free so just to thank just a handful of them um gavin smith and jason corbett there who raised a massive nine grand on behalf of their lost um cousin daniel smith 
Um, KQ is and Chris McManus, who are currently they're about to walk the West Island. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. day are they starting? Uh, they are setting off on the twelfth of July. Twelfth of July. Um, two local Mogai boys, aren't they? Two, yep. 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 Um, from our base, um, we're going to join them. They're doing great. Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely. definitely uh, yeah. We're hoping to get a few <laughs> to walk on the the first day. Um, and you know, people, I think the boys had said that anybody else was welcome to join them on other days. Mm-hmm. They, I think, so far have raised at least two and a half thousand pounds, and uh, they're, they're, they've not even started. So yeah. they're obviously going to get to a really good target. Right, doing great on social media and stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Christy Devine and Mick Doherty, who recently did a half marathon. I've known Christy for for quite a while. Good lad, uh, Chris Halliday, who's been working away for the last like year doing what he's called Monroe bagging. So it's um, all 282 Monroes in Scotland. He's also been making us some cracking videos about his journey, using yep, his taking yep, his drone along him. Um, great guy. He's actually a guy I'd like to get on the podcast. So I need yeah, to give him a message. Um, he's got an interesting story. Ross Maguire, who started to keep Glasgow dancing, um, selling T-shirts, mm-hmm. um, splitting the profits between us and the GMA Trust. You know, the GMA. Yeah, yeah. Um, the limited, uh, is there still limited edition t-shirts available? Yeah, he's still, still, still got a few left, but he said they're in obscure sizes. Uh, right, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I, I know I've got one, um, but yeah. if you want a, a Keep Glasgow Dancing t-shirt, drop us a message Aye, and we'll get one message, over to you. If, especially if you're in obscure size. Um, but he says he's going to bring out some bring out some new ones soon. So Excellent. Um, they're good. We will get um, some posts done about that. Um, Cal McRobbie, or on Instagram, known as Coach Cal, who is in the middle of a one-month fitness challenge for bras and arms and mental health awareness. So he's obviously today on day 24. Yeah, 24. Today is, yeah. yeah. 24 out of 30. He's doing brilliant. And a, a, a brilliant one, I think, John Stars, just the final one. Um, he lost two friends over lockdown. Um, very sad. Two, two, two boys who were very close to each other. Um he carried 20 kilograms worth of decks around for a couple of hours around the streets having a, a mobile street party. Brilliant, brilliant. There's some cracking videos of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think they've, I think the party got a bit out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> it was, As it can. It looked, yeah. uh, it looked a lot of fun, but we've got some of the videos on our Facebook page if anyone wants to have a look at them. But thank you to all you guys. Um, and we will have a few more shout outs on the next podcast. Great stuff. Excellent. Thanks, Kieran. Um, yeah, but I think we're basically coming towards the end of the podcast. So it's, you know, thank you to Tony for uh, delving into depth uh, with his various experiences. Jamie, um, whether he likes it or not, will be joining us more regularly, as is obviously with Kieran. And uh, I'll, I'll be here uh, from time to time as well. Last, I guess, but not least, guys, is just to start, please, uh, sharing the podcast, sharing it around. Um, it's available on all the platforms, so Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, and all the various other places that you would download your podcasts from. Um, we really want to encourage you to send us comments about the podcast, feedback to us if something resonated with you, or if you disagreed with something, and uh, we'll, we'll come back and we'll, 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 we'll revisit any questions or comments that, that are made. And uh, yeah, just start interacting with us, guys. You know, we... We want uh, guys, girls, anybody who's listened to the podcast um, to feed back to us and let us know what they think about it. So, yeah, mm. thanks from us. and Thanks for having us. That was yeah, uh, yeah. brilliant. Thank you. It was Excellent. Really nice Pleasure. to be here. Yeah.